This is our first ever emergency podcast of In the Clubhouse. We have Chris Russell from 1067 The Fan and Team 980 to discuss all things Washington Nationals and the signing of left-hander John Lester to a one-year deal with a mutual club option for 2022. So, let's go in the clubhouse. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us. So um, let's dive right into Nationals baseball. Um, So as we're recording this Monday night, January 18th, um, it's confirmed that the Nationals have signed uh, pending a physical veteran left-hander and former Boston Red Sox Sox and Cubs pitcher John Lester to a one-year deal. Uh, Seems that it doesn't include an option year yet. Um, Still no report of the money. Um, So I just kind of want to get your fresh thoughts on it. Yeah, Richard, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, Pleasure to join you. I I mean, look, I think this is a good deal for the Nationals. Uh, Like you mentioned, the contract terms aren't exactly known. I mean, as long as we're not talking, you know, one year, $20 million type of thing, I think what you're looking at here is a veteran big game pitcher that fills that fourth hole if everyone is healthy, meaning Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin ahead of him who has the ability to slide obviously up in the rotation if and when one of those guys and it is likely with the top two Strasburg and Scherzer that one of them is going to be you know banged up or are on the injured list or 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 something or not ready to go maybe when the season starts i.e. Strasburg maybe so I think you get you know, look, the way I look at it is if we're comparing John Lester to Anibal Sanchez, I know Anibal Sanchez had some big moments in the World Series year, and no, nobody would take that from him. Uh, but John Lester is a five-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, one of the best left-handed uh, pitchers of our generation. I don't know exactly how much he has left, but if he can give you six innings, you know, on average per start, and if he can give you, I don't know, over a full season, 12 or 13 wins, Rich, uh, and maybe a four or five ERA, I, I think you'll take that um, if that's what he can give you. And that's what I would guess is how they're kind of projecting mm. him. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting that Rizzo is going this way. Um, I kind of feel that, you know, you have an older an older pitching rotation for the for the for the season. Like, what are your thoughts about that aspect of the deal? Yeah, I I mean, listen, I understand, um, you know, that there is some inherent risk here, right, in in breaking these guys down. You're right. I mean, I'm I'm always concerned. I was concerned even before Strasburg, you know, hurt the thumb early in the season. Yeah, I mean, you're always hold your breath with him. And we knew it was bad from the start, right? Scherzer, for everybody, you know, that 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 doesn't want to face reality. And and I, I get it. Um, you, you know, I mean, he is what he is, right. I, I, I mean, 
I, I don't mean to be a jerk, but he's old and there's only so much you can ask of him. Um, and, you, you know, I, the way I look at it is, you know, Corbin, who has been pretty healthy, um, you know, who you never know when when he like kind of breaks down and he didn't have the best year last year. So, you know, you have to kind of make a choice between having two young kids, whether it's a combination of Ross, Fetty, Voth, uh, you know, um, am I forgetting anybody? Ross, Fetty, Voth. Um, I don't think yeah. I'm forgetting anybody. No, 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 no. I'm saying you're good. Yeah. All three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So, so here, here's the thing. If I have to lean on two of those guys to be my four and five, and then the other guy, maybe to be my long man or my spot starter to me, that's a lot to ask, especially with the breakdowns potentially of Strasburg, Scherzer, and again, Corbin, who didn't have a great year mm. last year. So if I have Lester, even though he's 37 years old, at least this is the way I see it. As Even though he's 37 years old and there's inherent risk there, I, I like the fact that I don't have to depend on two young guys to be my four and five, and then the third to probably be my long man out of the bullpen or my emergency spot. Now I can kind of choose and pick between those three guys as my five, assuming that Strasburg and, and, and Scherzer are healthy to start the year. And then, you know, probably only two of them make the initial roster, right? One is the fifth and one is a spot starter uh, or, or a long man, I should say. Um, Whereas if you don't have the veteran there in the four hole with the ability to slide up, then you're counting on a lot out of those guys. And, and, and quite honestly, I don't know if Fetty and Voth, uh, you know, are, are really ready to handle that. Joe Ross, we haven't seen in a year and a half. So, I mean, I'd like to think he is, but I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I was listening to this other, other show the other day saying that like we tried the younger <laughs> people they are who they are. I think that the Nats did a great move here. And um, I'm, I'm really glad about uh, the one-year deal. I think that's smart of uh, Mike Rizzo. Um, I do kind of feel that we're moving a lot of the um, Chicago Cubs into D.C. Like, this seems a little weird here. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the addition of Kyle mm -hmm. Schwarber, uh, and now John Lester, and there was a lot of talk, of course, of, about Chris Bryant. So I guess, you know, by not adding Chris Bryant, or at least they haven't, uh, you, you know, you, you made up for it in other ways. But but here's the classic case of, to me, what I'm what I'm looking at in that regard, and I, I'm I'm guessing you see it the same, is Davy, of course, has a connection there and was there. Uh, that team is being dismantled, and pieces are available at a cheaper price uh, and especially high, you know, bigger name guys uh, that maybe ran their course in Chicago as they rebuild, i.e. Lester and Schwarber. Uh, and, and then on top of that, the one thing that I would just continue to say, and maybe, you know, maybe this won't help. I don't know. Uh, but I think baseball people, and I think sports people in general, always will lean towards, that veteran experience, that big game experience, that that ability of a known commodity who has performed in a big spot before. And Schwarber obviously came back from that torn ACL. 
into the World Series the year that they won, has been a pretty decent postseason performer, and we know what John Lester has been. So I don't mind it as much. Yeah, I think this is it's a very interesting um, perspective, and I agree with you. Bringing some proven veterans, or you know, to a team that Davey has familiar, you know connection with makes sense what do you think of the nationals offseason moves in general i mean you know the nl east and we'll get to that a little bit in a couple of minutes the nl east is being you know with the mets the braves uh the pot the padres and the nl west so i just kind of like there's been a lot of deals here but the nationals have been sort of quiet so like what are your thoughts on the deals that they have made well you know look schwarber is you know could could Schwarber be once what he what he once used to be? Uh, maybe uh, um, you know. I, I, look, he's he. I, I think um, you know you get a power left-handed bat right there, right? And if he can give you over the course of a full season, if he can, I don't know, hit twenty home runs, and if he can you know, give you, I don't know, 80 RBIs, somewhere in that range, right? And, and and let's not forget, you know, as bad as things unraveled for Kyle Schwarber in Chicago, um, and, and, and make no mistake about it, last year was really, really, really bad. Sub 200, I mean, <laughs> not even close to the 200 uh, Mendoza line in 59 games. Not like he played four games. He played 59 games. Um, and only hit the 11 home runs, but he's one year removed from hitting 38 and driving in 92, right? So to me, that represents a cheap, low-cost kind of addition or a cheaper low-cost addition that if you can get a bounce-back year. This is the problem, though, that I have with the additions that they've made. Both he and Josh Bell, let's take those two guys, leave Lester out of it. If you look at those two guys, right, Right now, they represent low cost or lower cost, higher upside or higher ceiling or higher bounce back potential. And if they do that and if they hit their ceiling, then it's a great deal. But what if last year for both was the beginning of the end? Now, I've talked to some baseball people, including a scout uh, for a, an American League team who who you know knows his – has his pulse on everything, and he's firmly convinced that Josh Bell was really affected by the shortened season last year and everything being off. Well, maybe the same can be said for Kyle Schwarber, right? Uh, so if they get the high-end return, then this is two brilliant Mike Rizzo deals. If they get kind of mediocre average production, uh, maybe from both, well then, you know, I, I guess you could look at it as, as okay, it was worth the risk. Now, if they never bounce back and Schwarber hits sub 200 and uh, only hits 10 home runs in 100 games or whatever it might be, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a boomer bust type situation. But the way I look at it is you got your first baseman, you desperately needed one. You no longer have to absolutely guarantee, um, you know, hold your breath for Ryan Zimmerman. If Zim comes back, okay, maybe they do a little platoon or whatever. Schwarber allows you to put Soto in right uh, and gives you that left-handed bat off the bench if he doesn't wind up starting. And again, Schwarber and Lester both have that big-time postseason, big-time moment experience, whereas Bell doesn't really have that. But Bell also offers a different upside in that 
you know, again, he can play a position that you desperately needed. And he's also uh, more likely to bounce back, I think, than maybe Schwarber. Yeah, I, I, now that you're saying this, this all is, you know, definitely clicking. I'm getting really excited for baseball. Pitchers and catchers are reporting next month. Um, you know, I, I really do believe the Nationals are at, like, a crossroads here. Um, you know, I think they're, like, rebuilding, but they're kind of, like, you know, they're kind of, like, treading water, um, obviously changes are coming. Like what should the, what should Nats fans expect over the next uh, few seasons? Well, you know, I, I'm cu- very curious to see, um, you know, you know, they drafted some of these pitching, uh, you know, prospects in, in the back part of the first round over the last couple of years. Right. Um, so as we kind of discussed, they are an older rotation uh, and, there doesn't seem to be like that that stud in the system that is ready to explode and take over, um, you know, right now. So I think we're going to have to wait a little bit on those on on the guys that they brought up and get through this way. But I would say for 2022, you know, you're you're, I mean, you might be looking at, you know, a very kind of different looking rotation. Um, what does Scherzer got? One more year left mm-hmm. on his deal, I yeah. believe it is. Um, so honestly, I don't know. You know, I don't know how they're going to deal with the Scherzer situation beyond this year. I, you know, I think it might de- depend on, you know, obviously how his health is. Now, if he's dominant, Max Scherzer throughout this year, then obviously you do everything you can to bring him back on a short-term deal. But if he kind of you know, struggles to get through. Maybe Max retires. Maybe Max leaves. I don't know. Uh, and then maybe you have one or two of these young kids, uh, you know, come up. But right now, I'm not sure if they're ready. Um, in terms of the, the the lineup, I mean, like, here's the thing. You've let Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon go. Um, you have to make sure that somehow, some way, you get Soto and Trey Turner locked up, right? Well, I mean, you're just going to have to spend money. I know that I know the learners spend money, but they spend money rich, in my opinion, weirdly, you know, they, they don't spend it on managers. They don't want to pay uh, premium free agents in current day dollars. They think they're cute. They think they're smart. They think they're basically doing business deals with, you know, construction companies. And that's just not the way it works in Major League Baseball. So, I, you know, I really think it's important to get one of those two guys signed long-term, Soto and or Trey Turner, this year, during this year. So you don't have these questions lingering overhead while you still try and figure out, again, does Bell rebound to his 2019 form? Does Schwarber return and rebound to his 2019 form. Is Victor Robles going to be anything more than a good defensive center fielder and a guy who doesn't make a lot of contact or a guy who doesn't hit a lot for average but has occasional pop? Can Juan Soto play right field? Can Carter Keboom play third base? I mean, there are a lot of questions, as you alluded to, about this team. I think it makes it really intriguing, really interesting, and I'm going to be watching just about every game, if not every game, and hopefully we'll all get to go to games uh, 
you know, this year, uh, you know, hopefully things will be much, much, much better off by the time we get to early. April. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting myself a, a Nats hot dog. I'm like dying beyond belief for one. Um, <laughs> the NL East also is going to be a tough division this year. I mean, I think the Mets are finally acting like a, in the New York team, a New York City team. Uh, the Braves, you know, they're, they're, they're the Braves. So where do you think the Nationals kind of like fit here into the into the NL East picture? Yeah, sorry, and sorry about that. My, uh, I just drank something and it and it went down the wrong pipe, which is something uh, I do uh, a whole lot. So I apologize uh, about that. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, um, you know, it looks like the Phillies are kind of supposedly the last I heard, maybe moving closer to a, a new deal with Real Muto, but I, I still don't trust them, um, even though they were better than Washington record wise. Uh, last year, uh, you know, Miami obviously had a nice bounce back year. Atlanta is the cream of the crop, but I, I think the Mets have made some really nice moves, um, you know, that hopefully will, you know, for their sake, not just be about how many dollars they spend, uh, but it'll hopefully represent like, you know, when you have the best pitcher in the game and Jacob deGrom, you know, you're essentially wasting his career years by being a middling franchise. So, you know, it looks like by adding the catcher, by making the trade they made on Monday night as part of that San Diego Pittsburgh deal to get another veteran starter. Uh, if you get Syndergaard back, um, if DeGrom stays healthy, um, you know, and that's a lot of ifs, the Mets should be better. I mean, they can't, you know, look to be eight games under 500, um, Last year, you know, that's not going to work, right? And I know they finished off badly, uh, and maybe they weren't that bad all along. Uh, and they were tied, of course, with the Nationals for record. But I think the Nationals and the Mets rebound here a little bit. Uh, again, I'm still not sold on Philadelphia unless I'm missing something there. I still don't think they have enough pitching. I don't think they have enough of a spine, quite honestly. Um, you know, and, and Atlanta's still, I, I assume, going to be good. And... Uh, who did they add in, in free agency? They added, um, um, what's his name from Tampa? Uh, Charles okay, Morton. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, honestly, I, I know that's a lot of, well, you know, this, I, I like this and I like that, but I truly, Washington's better than an eight game under 500 team. I think we know that the Mets are better than an eight game under 500 team is Miami, you know, a 500 team. <laughs> Probably in a full course of a season instead of 60. Yeah, probably maybe a couple of games under 500. I don't know. You know, and Atlanta, I mean, again, barring weird stuff going on, they should be good again as well. How good? I don't know. If the rest of the division is really good around them, then they're not going to be as good because it'll be more competitive. So I don't know if I see Washington, you know, of course, it'll depend on if there's an expanded playoff or not. I don't, I don't see Washington being the, the class of the division uh, because there's too many questions, as we kind of alluded to. But could I see them making the playoffs and being a wild card team in in the end? Sure, absolutely, I can, if a lot of things break Yeah, I think, I think the Washington, uh, having the Nationals be the wild card seems to be the way to win a World Series. Um, <laughs> really interesting stat that I'm just seeing here. Um, three of the five teams from the NL East have – have the top five starting rotations in baseball. So that includes the Mets, the Braves, and the Nationals. I mean, that stat is just 
it's just going to be really fun to watch baseball uh, in the NL East this year. Um, yeah, I, I think this division is going to be really, really entertaining. I mean, it's not going to be the NFC East, I can tell you that much. <laughs> you know, I mean, it ain't going to be that, I can tell you that. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Juan Soto for a second. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, backing up the Brinks truck, you know, as everybody, you know, I would love for him to be a nap for life. I think that should be, like, the number one priority for the Washington Nationals, like, starting tomorrow. If not, they can start, you know, hopefully they started now. But, you know, like, what do you, like, envision, you know, you know, this team with him? And then, like, how do you envision maybe, you know, God forbid, the team without him? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think it would be an utter, complete disaster without him. Let, let, let's start with that, right? Now, we don't have to yeah. worry about that, like, right away. But what they do have to worry about – and this do, and this does, you know, kind of, um, you know, it, it, it. I mean, there's no other way to say it, but it does worry me with the way they have handled, meaning the learners, long-term situations of Rendon and, and Harper. And I, you know, I, I mean, I understand you can't break the bank on everybody, right? And I understand that they're a pitching-first organization, but if I'm choosing between, quite honestly, Juan Soto. And Trey Turner, like if that's what the the argument comes down to in terms of who do I sign up long term Mm -hmm. and let the other one go or or hit free agency or or not sign long term and take their chances on, you know, I'm probably going Juan Soto at this point, a power hitting left handed bat who can play a couple of different positions in the outfield who has worked hard, I think, at his outfield defense, who seems to play the game with a tremendous level of joy and passion and pride. And sure, that might be annoying to some opponents every now and then with the whole tuck and grab and, you know, uh, you know, swing of the dirt and all that stuff. But the bottom line is, is those guys don't grow on tree. You know, I think it's easier to find a Trey Turner than it is to find a Juan Soto uh, in today's game. Uh, now, that being said, I would – I. If I was the learners, I would sign both of those guys to long-term deals, kind of like how um, the Braves did a couple of years ago with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, right? I mean, you have to jump ahead of the market. You cannot wait until you get to the final year of a deal because a lot of times these players are being told, hey, listen, even if you get injured, even if you suffer a season-ending injury in that final year of the deal, you're still going to get handsomely paid. So why sign up and take a big discount? You have to start attacking it now. And, Rich, I don't have the um, all the contract information in front of me, but uh, he, here's what I know. You know, if you're uh, – I mean, you're obviously in arbitration-eligible years with those guys right mm-hmm. now, right? And we mentioned Scherzer is coming off – the books in all likelihood, but they still have that weird, wacky, uh, you know, kind of contract arrangement that they that they did with him. You know, Turner's already making thirteen million dollars when they avoided arbitration uh, last mm-hmm. week, right? So he, like, for instance, I think what he's got another year of arbitration eligibility, I believe, um, after this one, because um, I think he's got four point. Yeah, he's got four point one. Of major league service. So I think he's arbitration eligible once again next year, assuming that he continues along this path. By the time you get to that final year of the deal, he might be making 20, $22 million a year with the way arbitration goes. Now, Soto, you have more years, but Soto's already making 8.5. So what is Soto going to make 
next year if he has another monster year. He's probably going to make 16 or 17. And then another year after that, he's probably going to make 25 or 30 and maybe more depending on how good the numbers are. So to me, if you're, you know, you have more time remaining on Soto, so maybe you attack Trey Turner first, but I would do both. I would do both. And I know that's easy to say because it's not my money, but you know what? These are the decisions you have to make. You do not let more premium players go by the wayside and hit free agency because you thought you were trying to be cute with construction contracts like they were with Rendon and uh, like they were with Bryce. It worked for Max. It worked for Strasburg the first time around. It works with some. It doesn't work with others. Learn your lesson because not everybody is going to take the deferred payment. Yeah, and also um, Soto might have a second bite at the apple, right? Like he might, you know, if he structures his contract, he might – hit free agency one more time before he gets to that, you know, his final contract being that he's so young. Um, just No doubt. That's a good point. You're right. If you buy out the first couple of years of his free agency, he can still hit, you know, he could still hit free agency at what, uh, 30 or, or whatever it is. I mean, gosh, what is he? 23, 24? Yeah. 22. 22. Yeah. Um, you know, final question here. I just want to maybe look a little bit um, for, towards this season. Um, I'm just curious, like, what player are you most excited to see play for the Nationals? Um, is it a prospect, you know, that might come up during the year? Or what, are you excited to, like, you know, what's, what's like – I mean, I'm excited to see Juan Soto play again. Um, but I want to see – I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, of course who, – who, I would be a dummy to say I'm not excited to see mm-hmm. Juan Soto. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll try and, you know, maybe go off the board and and, and, and see if I can come up with, a, you know, a little something maybe yeah. different to, to kind of, you know, juice it up here a little bit. Um, I am probably most excited, you know, if, if, you, if you put a gun to my head and said, okay, like, tell me what this guy is going to be and, and what his upside could be. I, I'm probably most interested, I'll label it that, as seeing what Luis Garcia can be over a full season with more experience. But I also, I, I, I'm kind of excited to see if Josh Bell can can return back to the 2019 first half form. Now, again, it's been a while since he's been that 2019 first half, but... You know, with more protection in the lineup, um, a better team around him, less pressure on him. Uh, you can't pitch around him or, uh, you know, pitch carefully to him if everybody's kind of, you know, if Soto's right next to him in the lineup, which I would presume uh, Nationals Park is a very good hitter's ballpark uh, in the warmer weather. Uh, so to me, I, I guess out of the current crop, uh, I, I would say I'm most intrigued by Garcia long, you know, to, to see what he really is uh, on an everyday full year basis. But I think the guy that I'm probably most intrigued, excited by would be Josh. Awesome. Chris, I had such a fun time and great conversation with you. We'll have to have you back on the podcast closer to the season. Absolutely, Rich. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we got to talk some baseball and some grilling when we get going oh. here. Because uh, I got a, I got a lot of rain. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'm down for it. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Have a good day. And this will do it. Bye. This Rich. episode of In the Clubhouse. 
If you like this episode, please make sure to like, review, and rate this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And you can follow us on all the major social media channels at The Nats Report. 